Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello friends, I'm so happy that you are here. If you are like me, then you love reading and you love podcasts, and I hope that you've been enjoying Adventures in Happiness so far. We go through so much. You know, in this podcast, we cover so many topics. You can have so many aha moments and learn so much, but all of it is useless if we can't remember it. So today's episode is all about improving your memory. And to lead the way, we are speaking to a dear, dear friend of mine, Jim Quick. He is the founder of Quick Learning. And let me mention, Quick really is his last name, K-W-I-K. He's widely recognized as a world expert in speed reading, memory improvement, brain performance, and accelerated learning. He's been doing this for over two decades. And you should follow him on Facebook, on Instagram, and you'll see that he has some top-level people coming to him, from top CEOs and executives to Larry King and Will Smith. And there's a picture of him with the entire X-Men crew. You know, a lot of people come to him because even those who are already very successful know how important it is to be able to remember the things that we're learning to improve our memory. So in this episode, you're going to learn how to improve your memory, and it's going to be more meaningful and wonderful than you could have ever imagined because Jim is just a man with a big heart. And when you can remember things better, you can remember more love and you can remember these aha moments and you can remember just how wonderful you truly are. So enjoy this episode. This show is sponsored by thetappingsolution.com. My love, my passion, my day job, tapping. You can go to thetappingsolution.com and for free, you can download a tapping meditation for the morning in the evening to relieve stress. I know right now there's a lot going on in the world, so let's use these tools to make sure we wake up feeling great and we go to sleep feeling relaxed. So you can enjoy that at thetappingsolution.com. If you love this episode, if you've loved the podcast so far, it is so helpful if you leave a review, leave five stars, and leave me a comment, and I will read it and send you much love. I would really appreciate that. And enjoy this. Guys, you know, it's an act of love, so spread the love. Enjoy. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Jess. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited to be with you. We were hanging out just last weekend, so I'm happy we have an excuse to chat again. Not that we need one. You were so amazing on my stage. Thank you so much. Everybody there was just, they were tapping their way to to (laughs) just new levels of of, and adventures of happiness. So. Uh Oh, I no, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I had such an amazing time. And then I stayed and I attended. I watched every talk, which I loved. And you, my friend, oh my goodness, Michael Fishman, who's a good friend of ours, um, we were chatting about you behind your back. So I will tell you what we were saying. We were talking about how we have never seen you so on fire. 
on stage, like another level gym. It was amazing. The content was amazing, which we'll go into some of that content, but also you were just, you seemed so comfortable on stage and everybody in the room was just like leaning forward to get what you were teaching. So I loved watching that. Well, I have a, I have a secret too. Um, so thank you. I'm, yes. I get very nervous on <laughs> stage, even though I've been doing this, you know, this is, um, I'm on this path now. This is my 25th year, which is kind of insane wow. to even think about. <laughs> um, and I, I know I've, we've, we've been, we've been friends for quite some time. And so, you know, I always get butterflies because it's just not my necessarily my nature. I'm very introverted because I grew up with a, you know, brain injury when I was a child and I became very shy. So getting on stage is not natural. Um, but I did have a secret weapon and that was you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know, the night before uh, we did that amazing tapping se- session. Oh, that's and, right. And that was so that was so important for me to be because you know I have such a responsibility to show up. People came in from a couple dozen countries, from New Zealand and London and Sydney and, and Hong Kong, and I just really wanted to do well by everybody. But um, yes, so thank thanks. It really it was remarkable that the time that we took the evening before it really uh, got me in my zone. So yeah. you're the no, best. Oh, thank you, Jim. Well, I'm just thinking back about the tapping we did, and I think we had a breakthrough. You know, it's funny. I'll start tapping with someone, and something will come up, and then later I'll look back and go, oh, that was that was pretty good, but I'd never thought of it before until that moment when I'm tapping mm. where I feel like I'm – I don't want to use the word channeling because it's just an overused word, but you're just in, in the sense of a flow, and – one of the big things that came up was this concept that you can really, really care about something and relax. Yeah. And you said that to me also. And when we were tapping, I was just like, even afterwards, it helped me consolidate it that, yeah. um, that I could care about something. I could relax because so many people, and I, I'm guilty of this, like I, some people are so attached to their worrying. They feel like that because they're worrying that they care. Um, and that's an interesting association. But. Yes. Or, you know, if I really, yeah, if I really care about something, then I must worry about it. But this idea that you can really want to do a great t- job on stage or whatever you have going on in your life and still relax. Uh, we have to kind of start linking up. We have to create that new association uh, because it's true. It's the effective one. When you're more mm-hmm. relaxed, you're, you know, rec- you're creative, you're resourceful, you're on fire, you know, you get all the good ideas. So it's something that we should keep reminding ourselves of. Um, Jim, I want to talk about, we're going to talk about having a happy brain and a, a great memory but I first want to start with hearing about you. And for those who are new to your work, you have such a fascinating story. Um, I think sometimes people make the assumptions of, oh, this Jim Quick guy, I mean, with his last name, he must have always been really quick when it came to <laughs> memorizing things and, you know, being, you know, having this super brain. And you just mentioned you had a brain injury as a child. Can you kind of take us through your early experiences and why you became so passionate about helping others access the power of their brain? Yes. Um, well, my adventure, really, the pivot point for me was when I was five years old. Um, I had a, a bad accident, a head trauma, brain injury, and I had learning challenges because of it. And so I grew up in elementary school and in middle school and junior high and high school with these with these struggles. And I remember um, 
I didn't know why I was different, you know, especially at that age where the teacher would have to repeat themselves, you know, quite a few times in order for me to understand it, or I would just feign and pretend I understood it so they could move on. Uh, I didn't have any focus and not a particularly good memory. And it actually took me an extra three and a half years just to learn how to read. And it was, it was embarrassing, right? You think about all the limiting emotions that you start attaching. And I think one of my, my fear of public speaking, um, I think it came from initially reading because you remember when you were a kid and you used to pass around that book in circles and it was your turn, you had to read out loud to the rest of the, you know, the class. I remember because it was traumatizing. <laughs> yes. Right. And it was traumatizing for me too, because I would just look at the book and I would look at the words and I would hope and pray that when I looked at them, that I would be able to know what those words meant and, or even be able to pronounce them. And, um, and those associations really got linked. And I think a lot of people's fear of public speaking came from that, those moments of having all the eyes on you. And I, that's where, and it's ironic though, because my two biggest challenges growing up were learning and public speaking and the universe has a sense of humor because that's all, that's what I find myself doing all the time with my mission. And, um, so I would, I would actually, and I, I remember in elementary school a few years later, I overheard a teacher, um, when she didn't think I was paying attention, point to me and talk to another adult and say, that's the boy with the broken brain. And um, it really became part of my belief system or my identity and to the point where even in high school, I would work really hard. I would always be a hard worker. You know, just my, my parents immigrated here and I had good examples. They had many jobs. I would work hard. I would do a book report. But if a teacher asked me to present it in front of a classroom, I would actually get so nervous and scared, I would lie and say I didn't do it. And I would take a failing grade and I would actually throw the book report out in the garbage in the trash when I left the class. And it was it was really heartache. And so when I got when I got into college, I was lucky enough to get find a college and I found one that I didn't know a lot of friends were going to because I find that it's hard to change and make a change sometimes. Uh, if you're around the same people that have the same expectations and holding this identity for you, right? right. And um, and I wanted to start fresh. I wanted to show the world. I wanted to make. I want to show myself. I wanted to show my parents and make them proud that I could do something. And I actually did worse uh, because college was so much more difficult. And I was ready to quit. And right when I was ready to quit, the um, one of my friends said, "Hey," and this was in New York. "Hey, I'm going home." Uh, to California this weekend, do you want to come with? And just before you tell your parents, why don't you get some perspective? Um, and I, and perspective is something that's really served me over the years. I think when you change a place or change people that you spend time with, it gives you a new point of view. So I decided to go because I'd never been to California. And the family is pretty wealthy and doing well off and the, and they're happy, right? Um, and the father walks me around his property before dinner and asks me a very innocent question that you would ask an 18-year-old kid. He's like, how's school? And that's just the worst question you could ask me at that point in my life. And I just start breaking down and, uh, and crying. And I just like tell him my whole thing with learning challenges and a brain injury. And I, school's not for me. I don't know how to tell my parents. I'm going to quit. And he has a very important question he asks me. He's like, well, why are you in school? And it's so interesting because in the work that I do, I think that questions are really the answer. Mm-hmm. That you know, asking a new question, we get new answers. Um, and I never really thought about that 
answer that question before, like, why am I in, why am I in school? And he's like, yeah, Jim, why, why, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to share? Um, and I go to answer him and he makes me stop. He puts his hand out and he reaches into his back pocket and he takes out his journal that he carries with him and he takes out a couple of sheets of paper and he makes me write it down, all these things I wanted to be, do, have, share, right? It's like a bucket list. Uh, and before I knew what a bucket list was. And when I was done with the exercise, I maybe had 30 or 40, 50 things on there. I start folding up the sheets of paper to put in my pocket and he grabs them right out of my hands and he starts looking at them. And I'm freaking out, Jess. Like I'm thinking <laughs> like, because obviously I don't know this man very well. He's a stranger. He's obviously doing very well. And he's looking at all my dreams and my fantasies and my goals in my life. And I'm scared of being judged, right? And when he's done, he looks at me and he spreads his index fingers apart about 10 inches. And he says, Jim, you are this close to everything on that list. And I'm thinking, there's just no way. You must be talking about somebody else. Give me 10 lifetimes. And I can't crack that list. That was my belief system, right? And um, I always tell people, if you fight for your beliefs you know, or your limitations specifically, then you get to keep them. And I was fighting for my limitations. I'm like, no, I have learning challenges. And no, I'm not good enough to get the things on that list. But he takes his fingers that are spread apart, his index fingers, and he puts them on the side of my temple, um, you know, saying that I'm this close to everything on this list. And, you know, in between, obviously, those fingers now is my head and my, my brain, if you will. And he walks me into a room of his home that I've never seen before. You would love it. It's, it's wall-to-wall, ceiling, the floor covered in books which is amazing, right? Like he had a library in his house and like, who has that? Um, and he starts grabbing these books and I'm freaking out at that. I, I love that <laughs> now, but at that point in my life, I'm like, this is, you know how people are like phobic of like snakes or something. Right. It'd be like, it'd be like being in a room of snakes because right. <laughs> I don't really like, you know, books. Um, and it's cause I'm not a very good reader. He starts grabbing them and starts handing me the books, which is like someone handing you snakes. Like, or something. <laughs> And they handed me these, I have a pile of books after a little while, and I start looking at the titles that I'm holding, and there are these biographies of amazing women and men in history, and also some really early personal growth books, like The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, Napoleon Hill, you know, Dale Carnegie, like the real, like, you know, the icons, if you will. And he says, Jim, I want you to read one of these books a week. And I'm just thinking, you've got to be kidding me, right? Have you not been hearing what I've been saying? I have learning disabilities and I have all the, you know, again, fighting for my limitations. And I was like, I have all these schoolwork and midterms. And he, he looks me right in the eyes and he says, Jim, he said, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I'm like, wow, that's, and I didn't know that back then it was a Mark Twain quote, but I was like, you know, that's really insightful. And yet I can't read all these books because I know if I'm going to commit to it, I'm going to do it. But I, so I don't want to overcommit to reading these books. And um, I was like, I don't have time. I can't do it. And then very smart man. He reaches into his pocket and he takes out my bucket list, which he still has. And he starts reading out loud every single one of my goals and my dreams. And something just about hearing like a stranger who's obviously doing very well, but hearing your dreams in another man's voice outside incanted into the universe um, really messed with my mind, my, my spirit, something fierce. And I remember what really got to me was half the things on that list were things that my, I wanted to do for my family, things that they can never afford or could never, would never do for themselves. And with that leverage and that motivation, because I also think that's key. People when are listening, they want to 
be a better learner, a faster learner, uh, a better memory. I think motivation is is an important element. And with that motivation, I agree to read one book a week. So fast forward, now I'm back at school and I'm sitting at my desk and I have a pile of books I have to read for school and then a pile of books that I want to read that I promised this man I would read. And I can't do it because I was already at a disadvantage. So where do I do it? So I can't, I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't work out, I don't spend time with people socializing. You know, I take, I live in the library and that's not very sustainable, obviously. So what ended up happening is predictable. I ended up passing out in the library and I fell down a flight of stairs, unfortunately, and I hit my head again. And I woke up in the hospital two days later and I was, at this point, I wasted away. I was down to 117 pounds. I was hooked up to these IVs and malnourished and everything. I just thought there had to be a better way. And when I said that to myself, the nurse came in with a mug of tea, and on it had a picture of a genius, the opposite of what I thought I was. It was Albert Einstein. And it said this quote that you've heard, um, that we've all heard. It said, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me think, oh, wow, that's what's my problem? It's like my problem is I'm a really slow learner. I was like, well, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I can learn how to learn faster. And I was like, well, where would I do that? And I thought school. And I asked them to, for a course bulletin so I could look at classes coming up. And I looked at all the classes, and there were hundreds of classes on what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish. But just there were zero classes on how to learn, like how to think for yourself, how to be creative, how to solve problems, how to have focus, how to read faster, how to how to remember more. I always thought that they, that should have been taught back in school. They teach you three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, but what about remembering? What mm. about recall? What about retention? And that's why I'm so passionate about memory because Socrates says there is no learning without remembering. There is no learning without remembering something. And so I started to focus on that instead, focus on this idea of learning how to learn. And I started to read those books instead. And 60 days into it, a light switch just went on, flipped on, and I started to understand things for the first time. I started to to have better focus and concentration. I started to get through my reading faster. I started to remember things better. And my grades started to improve. And as my grades improved, my life improved and it wasn't working harder. It was just, I was working faster and smarter, but I had this ease about it, this confidence around it. And I think you know, everyone deserves that. And when I started feeling that I couldn't help but help other people. And I remember I was tutoring this, uh, a freshman. She ended up reading 30 books in 30 days. And I always believe that genius leaves clues, right? And, I, and every time somebody does something that looks remarkable and you know, I, that there's a method behind the magic, just like when I'm on stage and I memorize a room full of people's names or a hundred digit number or a hundred random words in and out of order that an audience gives me, I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this more to express to you what's possible. Because the truth is you could do it too. If someone is listening to this and is doubting whether or not they could overcome any kind of struggles that they're having mentally, maybe they feel overloaded and overwhelmed and they, they're getting senior moments or too early and they feel absent-minded and they just can't keep up. What I could tell you is everybody has, we've, did, we've, we have uncovered more about the human brain more in the past 20 years than the previous 2000 years. And what we found that is that we are grossly underestimating what it's capable of. And so regardless of your age or your background, your career, your diet, your level of education, your financial situation, your gender, your IQ, it doesn't matter. 
It's just one third of your memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, but two thirds is in your control. And so I'm really passionate about helping people to overcome and not even just get back to normal, but just even get to, you know, that level of what I call the superhero brain. And so she read 30 books in 30 days and I wanted to find out not how, I know how she did it. I want to know why. And then I found out that her mother was dying of terminal cancer and the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life, that she was given 60 days to live, doctors said. And I wished her luck and everyone say prayers and send her light. Six months later, I get a call from this young lady and she's crying tears of joy. I find out that her mother not only survived, um, but is getting better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. The doctors are calling it a miracle, in fact. But her mother attributed 100% to the advice she got from her daughter, who learned it from all these books. And that, that's where I feel like I ingrained in myself that if knowledge is power, you always hear that all the time, is knowledge is power, then I feel like that if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower, all of us. It's our birthright. And, um, and I've dedicated from that moment on my whole life to helping people realize that power. Right. I love that. Learning how to learn. Yeah, they call it, they call it meta-learning. It's like meta-thinking is thinking about your thinking. Yeah. And a meta is like metamorphosis. It's this level of change and transformation. And and really, I feel like the the course that that I'm on, that you're on, that so many of your listeners on, that that are helping people transform their lives. You know, whether it's for their career or they're a parent, they have a relationship where they're mentoring or some individual. I feel like we're in this area of trans. You know, it's about transcending. You know, transcending, like ending the trance, ending this trance that we're taught either through marketing or media or whatever it is, or education, that somehow we're limited, that, that our potential, our intelligence, our memory, for example, is somehow fixed like your shoe size. And it's absolutely not true. And so a lot of my work is helping people unlearn those, those lessons that they picked up when they were a kid that's saying that they weren't good enough, that they weren't smart enough. And showing them really what's what's possible. Yeah, I think one of the first steps is to begin to recognize the stories that we've been telling ourselves. And as you mentioned, many of these are people will say, "No, this isn't a belief. This is a fact. I had trouble in school. That's my reality." Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you fight for your limitations, you're allowed to keep them. And I know one of the reasons that we, I mean, we've. We've been friends for, I think, I was thinking about it the other day. I think it's about 11 or 12 years it's amazing. since since I, I met you. And one of the many reasons that we bonded was because we both had a very similar story. I stayed back uh, when I was second in second grade. I had what they, they said I had a learning disability. They told me I had ADD. I also had a speech impediment. And so I was carrying this story for so long. And it wasn't until I was 17 when I picked up a, I think one of the first ones was like a Tony Robbins book. And then Mm. I went back to the classics and I read Think and Grow Rich. And and I remember my quote, you'll love this, Jim. I've never told you this. In high school, I don't know if your school was the same. In your yearbook for your senior year, you have like a picture and you get to choose a quote. Mm. And my quote was never let education get in the way of learning. Or is it the other way around? That was my quote. Yeah, that was my high school quote. Because it wasn't until I started to read other books about, you know, success Mm -hmm. that I realized, oh, I'm not actually dumb. 
Like I, there's a lot of the things that I was reading about where I was like, oh, I, I can think like that. I can, I can do that. And, oh, I, I'm, I have the, this advantage now because now I'm learning from all these incredible biographies, all these people who've done things before me. I feel like they're showing me the way and no one else is reading this. Mm. And so it went from feeling like I wasn't smart enough to feeling like I had an advantage. Uh, and the biggest shift for me was, you know, even when I was doing well in school, I felt like a fraud because I had the belief that I wasn't smart enough. So every success made me feel like I was tricking someone. And mm. I, I think a lot of people have that kind of imposter syndrome, this feeling like, oh, even when I do good, it must not be real because I have all these stories, all these limitations. And I you know, reading this book, and I, I believe reading and listening to podcasts like this, the, it begins by questioning these stories we've been telling ourselves. Yes, it's true. You did fall and hit your head. Yes, it's true. I had a speech impediment and I stayed back. But it doesn't mean anything. It's the meaning that we give those events that create our mm. beliefs. I agree. And it, and those are the those limitations and those stories, those scripts that we play, they rob us uh, of our happiness. If we're talking about adventures and happiness, it they, takes away from the joy and the connection and the creativity, everything that we could be. And um, and so I love, that's why I love you and I love your community because those are individuals, they just, they love to grow and they love to grow. So they have, so they have more to give and they're, they're, and they're starting with this level of self-awareness. And that, that's, I find also the power of, of tapping also is right. just to be aware of your thoughts and be aware of of your current beliefs your identity or your values and and things that are shaping us where that looks like it's invisible but it's just it's something that we're doing right well you mentioned before you've actually mentioned a few times so far the power of motivation of being clear mm -hmm. on your why and i know that that is an important factor when it comes to remembering things so i'd love to segment into or segue into a strategy that we could use to help us recall things and, and especially names i know a lot of people come to you because they want to be better when it comes to remembering names yeah. So my first question, actually, before we, we jump into the motivation part, is why is it important? Why is it important that we learn how to remember names? Well, I think, um, so I think memory in general is just very important. So all the training that we do is for people to connect more with the things that they, the moments and the lessons, everything that they remember. And so at, at a high level, I think that a good memory is a force multiplier in our life, which is a good thing. A force multiplier is it's a term I'm pulling from actually the military. It's, it's this idea where you get more return multiples from the same amount of effort mm. and having a good memory improves all areas of our life. And so that's why I think it's, it's a good starting point when it comes to everything from learning to happiness to success. A good strong memory just makes it that much better and easier. Um, and also I do like remembering names and facts and figures and numbers and all the things that makes our life easier. Um, and the, the three things that I, I like to remember the most and build my memory, whether or not I'm using a technique or not is, but to train my memory is to remember, um, three, three things that I, the three L's that, that are, are important to me. Um, number one is, is love. I like to remember those times with loved ones 
right? Mm-hmm. The time that you spend with loved ones, past and present, because that's really a lot of what a lot of us this is what makes life worth living. Um, the other L is life remembering our life moments, because I do believe if our life is worth living, it's worth remembering. But so many people, they forget things that they've done, or they forget even simple things like a conversation they had the other day that was particularly meaningful or what they had for breakfast. But things that are important in our life, I think it's important to be able to remember. And then the third thing besides love and life, I think our lessons, the lessons in life, um, meaning we are all familiar with the phrase insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result, right? We've heard it many, many different times. I, I recently told that to a friend of mine um, and her name is Mary Lou and she came back. She's like, insanity is not doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's actually a bad memory. And <laughs> yeah. kinda, it's kind of interesting is because like, yeah, maybe we're not remembering what we were doing and then we, and because then we're doing the same thing and making the same mistakes over. Like think about how people are sometimes, and all of us are, with our health. Like sometimes we don't remember how bad we felt after we ate that bad food. Yes. And then so we don't, so we do it again, for example. Or even or, relationship patterns. Oh, You know, goodness. so many times we, like, you see a friend and you're like, oh, you're dating the same guy. He just has a different name now. Right, exactly. Because the lessons, you know, so you don't remember the pain or the put things that came with that or it could be in business or financials right people they have the same they don't remember the lessons from their spending patterns or their you know what they're doing in their same mistakes they're making in their business hiring the same whatever making it so i think it's important to remember um lessons so i'm just you know i i i like being called a memory coach or a brain coach whatever it is it's just for me memory is what makes life worth and this is a very personal thing for me also besides growing up with memory challenges most of my life my um my grandmother actually died of, of Alzheimer's. And so when I was that same age, around eight years old, I remember going to her, she was living with us and, um, and she not recognizing who I was and not remembering my name. And when you're eight years old, man, just thinking about this really, <laughs> um, takes me back, but it's, it's, it, those kind of things literally leave, um, an impression on you. And so when people, if everyone knows somebody who, you know, you know, with brain aging or something connected to that dementia or Alzheimer's, and it's, it's like they're not the same person when they lose those memories. Yes. And that, 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 that's the emphasis I put on memories. So, and, and the great thing about it, like, is because if we lost half our memories, we would lose like almost who we are. Like we lost, if we forgot half the names we knew and half the words we knew how to spell or the meaning of it or half of anything, you know, it'd be hard to do even our jobs. So going to the names, I think it's one of the most important things to remember. And the reason why is because it's, it's the sweetest sound to a person's ears, right? And people don't, they, there's this phrase that's been overused, but it's true. It says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's really hard to show somebody you're going to care for them or their family or their future or their business, finances, whatever it is you have to offer. If you don't just care to remember something like some simple like their name. And that's why I think names are so important to show people that you care and you know, there's a level of connection that's there. Maya Angelou, who um, has this quote that I love, she, you know, she says that she said that people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did. 
but they'll remember what, how you made them feel. And I think that part starting point around me will, you know, feel like that they're acknowledged and recognized is, is starting point is like their name. So. Yes. Yes. It's so true. So what are some, I know that you teach so much, but I want to get a strategy in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I think practicing with names. Now, I will mention now, and I'll mention later again, but you have an incredible podcast that has little quick uh, information on just strategies to improve memory and to kind of have our superpower brain. So some of these I know because I've heard you teach them before and I listened to your podcast already. I went through it twice just to really kind of ingrain these lessons. So I so I would love though to learn the strategy on how to help us remember someone's name. What do you think? Yeah. So these are these are the kind of things we teach in the podcast that it's it's called quick brain KWIK brain, but these are quick tips. So for example, Three really quick tips on how to remember names, and we do one tip in every episode, so it's less than ten minutes, very fast, because people are busy. But this one is, um, so you mentioned motivation. Yes. So one of the things I teach people just at a high level is remember mom. If you want a good memory, always remember mom, and you always want to anyway. And what it stands for, the M stands for exactly that motivation. That if we're ever forgetting something, usually you want to check in and do an internal check with how motivated were you to begin with to remember it. And, and I have to say this again, like most people, for example, really have a lot of trouble remembering names. But the example I give is if there was a suitcase of like $200,000 cash um, or whatever the equivalents would be, and I know you have a lot of international listeners, just that's yours for you or your favorite charity. If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet, who's going to remember that person's name? Like everybody, yes. right? Everybody across the board. And so all of a sudden, everybody, 95% of the population, by my estimate, says they have trouble remembering names. But those same 95% of the people will all say, 100% of them will say, I'll remember the name if I get that that money. And so what I want to point out as a coach is your your truth. Your truth is it had nothing to do with your capabilities or your potential remembering that name because all of a sudden everyone's a memory expert, right? It had everything to do whether you're motivated or not. And so I would just, when it comes to memory, I would always do like an internal check-in saying, why do I want to remember this person's name, for instance? Why do I want to remember this language? Why do I want to remember what I'm reading? What? I, because maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's the person you want, to, you want to create a new friend. Maybe it's you want to just practice what I learned on this podcast, right? But if you can't come up with a reason, what'll happen? you won't get the result because here's, here's what you want to write down is reasons reap results, reasons reap results. So check in internally. So a tactic, for example, could be asking yourself, why do I want to remember this person's name, for instance, or on a scale of zero to 10, how much do am I, how motivated I am to remember it? And if I say it's of three, then I would ask myself, okay, what do I have to think about or how do I have to perceive this to take it from a three to a six? Right. Maybe I have to pay it. Maybe I could just pay attention to this or notice this. Or if I'm able to do this, then this happens. And just by the reason why is because what I always tell people is information combined with emotion becomes a long term memory. That's actually how your brain remembers things. Information combined with emotion becomes a long term memory. And everyone knows this because for some people, it's a food. It'll take them back to when they were a child. 
or the smell of a perfume or cologne or essential oil, or it's a song, right? It'll take you back years and years. And that's because that emotion combined with the information became a long-term memory. And that's, that's the key. Even when you look back at school, if everyone feels like they're overloaded or overwhelmed, they can't keep up, the truth is it's not really your fault. It's because we live in an age of digital, you know, everything, everything's so fast and information everywhere. So we have, we live in this 20th century, 21st century world, but we grew up on a 20th century education that Mm. taught us to be passive, that taught us to, you know, and, and at the turn of the 20th century, when it was created, it was like, you know, manual labor, working on farms, working in factories. And that's what the education was based on, the system. It was assembly line. It was like, okay, all of you are the same expiration date, right, the same age. They put them all together on the conveyor belt. It's one size, fits all, cookie cutter. Um, And it was very, it was taught you to be passive. And the emotion that we felt back then was mostly what? How did most people feel in school? They were probably just bored, Bored. (laughs) Yeah, They're bored and they're tired. And so if let's think about it, information combined with emotion becomes long-term memory. If the emotion of boredom is like zero, right? Anything times zero is zero. And so you wonder why when you're tested, if you were tested like about geography or all the presidents or, you know, the vocabulary, most people don't remember anything because they learned in a bored state. And so motivation changes things. If your motivation is higher, you're more likely to remember those things. So I would say the first check-in for remembering names is number one, just be motivated to remember someone's name. Because here's the thing, if genius leaves clues, you nobody on this podcast who's listening forgets every name. You don't remember every name, but you certainly don't forget everyone, everyone's name. Think about model yourself, like see where you're remembering things. And I guarantee you that there's a method behind the magic, that the, the names that you're remembering, you're motivated to remember. Somebody you're attracted to, somebody that you could do business with. You know, you have that heightened awareness, and so that emotion creates the memory. Right. I also think it's helpful to know how important it is. In the you said earlier, people love the sound of their own name, and it's it's true. You know, I use this strategy, the whole M O M, which the mom that will go through. But I use the strategy after I got off stage when I spoke. I had a line of people come up to me, and they wanted to share you know, their results and each one wanted to share something with me. And I knew that if they were sharing, it was because they were invested, they were touched and, and that, you know, it was an opportunity to have a small connection. So Mm. in those moments, I knew, you know, if I could, if I could remember their name, they're going to know that I was listening. They're going to know that I was present. And so I memorized all of the names of everyone that spoke to me. And the next day at the event, as I saw people, I would say, hey, Frank. Hey, Vicky. And, <laughs> and I bet, yeah, and they light up, right? Yeah. Like, because like they feel like you really were. And that's really what people want is I, I really feel like the the training that we do in this in this area, it's not. It, yes, it helps people with their memory, but it also just makes them better people. And what I mean by that, it helps them connect more with who they really are as people, as caring individuals that, that, that are present. Yes. And I just think that the art of it. So for example, the O in mom, as you mentioned, the O stands for observation. So once you're, you're motivated to remember someone's name, are you a really observing? Cause a lot of people, they come to me and they blame, they talking about their memory challenges and they blame their retention, but it's really their attention. 
Like their memory issue is not their retention, but it's really your paying attention. I think the art of memory is really the art of attention. And it means one name, right? It's one word. You have this supercomputer of a brain and it could process so much. But when you learn someone's name, you're not really paying attention to it, so you forget it. And that's really the key I, that I think what I mentioned in the, in, in the podcast is this, this story with President Clinton. You know, with Bill Clinton, he has an incredible presence and charisma and connection and, and connector and, and everything, great communicator. And he also has an incredible memory. Like the second time I met him, he remembered my name. Like how many people does he meet a day? How is he going to remember that? And I remember asking him, how do you do that? What memory tactic were you, were you t- t- taught? And he says, Jim, I, I don't use any memory technique. And he tells me the story that in Arkansas, his grandfather would get the kids around and tell stories. And then afterwards, he would ask them questions to see if the children were paying attention, going back to the power of attention. So he trained that because all these things we're talking about, motivation and, and observation, they're muscles, right? I, we opened at our, the event. I did this thing talking about the power of a verb, right? And everybody, it's like, I you know, X and therefore I am, right? I, I innovate, therefore I am, or I, whatever it happens to be. But I always tell people that you don't have a memory, you do a memory. You don't have memories. If you, if people understood actually how the brain worked, it's every time you actually remember something, you're activating different parts of your, your, your brain cells, if you will, these different connections. So you're actually doing it. So you don't have a memory, you do a memory. It's a process. And the good thing about it being a process or a verb, it's something that, that you can replicate with individuals. And so for President Clinton, for example, I was asking him these questions and I noticed that he had, we were at a, a charity event and there were a lot of very important people in the room. But when he was talking to me, it's like nobody distracted him and he was totally fixated on what I was saying and on me. And that's not usually the experience you have with people, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times you're out and about and people are talking to you, but they're just, you can tell like their attention is always, you know, looking around the room and who's more important or if they're not distracted outside, they're distracted inside like you're we're all guilty of this right a lot of people they're not really listening what they are is listening for them is like waiting their turn to talk right and it's like they're thinking about how they're going to respond and they're not really in the seven habits of highly effective people which is you know very famous book by dr stephen covey he says one of the habits of highly effective people is they seek first to understand then to be understood that the big one of the big drives or motivations all of us have is to be seen and heard. And so the O oh, and mom observation, I think that President Clinton's, uh, Bill Clinton, his, in, his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present with people. And, and that's something any of us could do. And that's what I'm saying when I'm saying that with the memory training, making us better people or more, more reveal more of really who we really are. It's think about it. The M is motivation. It's just it's just being more caring is going to help you remember names, being that you're more of your nature of caring. And then, oh, being more observant to people, being more um, present with people, I think also just makes us more of who we are. Yes. You almost can feel it, like your energy going t- like out or in. You know, are you focused on how you feel, what you're thinking, you know, what you're going to eat tonight or how they, what they think of you thinking that you have to prove a point or be a certain way, or are you kind of extending your energy out there to, to like, to learn about them? 
Exactly. Exactly. And we could all feel attentions, people's attention, either, you know, when it flows. Women are especially um, intuitive about it also. You know, if, if, if somebody, have somebody you're talking to, like, for a split second focuses or somewhere else, you could kind of tell when people are checking out. And yeah. it's an exercise. But the good thing about it is it's a muscle and it grows stronger with use. And the more we do it, the more we train it. And because the rest of the world is very difficult because – you know, there's this digital distraction and, and social media and all this stuff. People are getting these dopamine fixes every time they get a like or a share or a comment or whatever. And it's training us for attention to be just, you know, dispersed yes. and not focused. Well, we know the M motivation, O, observe, and that leaves yeah. us with another M. Yeah. And that's really just simple. It's mechanics. It's once you have the motivation to remember something and you're, you have the observation, that's usually really strong enough. Um, and the, me the mechanics part, the last M is really the, not the person that fixes your car, but it's really the, the strategy, the step-by-step -step recipe, if you will, on how to remember that phone number or how to learn that language or how to give a speech without notes. The kind of, these are the kind of quick tips we go through in the podcast, but those are the, the, the strategic part of it, um, on how to remember a joke that you hear at the at the party or to be able to learn how to improve your spelling or read faster. All those are all learnable skills. I always tell people that there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's no such thing. There's just a trained memory and an untrained memory, and all of us could do it. Right. So I'm going to teach you some mechanics, Jim. Are you ready? Because yeah, I've I'm been ready. a good student, so I want to <laughs> see how I do. Okay. So when... Someone introduces themselves to me and they say, you know, hi, I'm Suzanne. I will, I respond with, hi, Suzanne. So I actually say their name back to them. And that helps me I remember. Love that. Yeah, that, I, I think that's imp really important that's good. to say something. Then my other one would, I pretend I visualize their name on their forehead in a marker. Okay. Yeah. Right? So Suzanne in the marker. And then I make an association. So Suzanne would be... Oh, how would I connect Suzanne? Yeah, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll either take like a famous person, um, like Suzanne, like, I don't know, Suzanne Summers, if you will, yeah. and they'll make a connection, or they'll take something that sounds like a person's name. So if a person's name is Mark, they'll use a marker. If a person's name is Mike, they'll use a microphone. If a person's name is Mary, they'll see them getting married. Or if a person's name is Carol, they'll see them singing Christmas carols, or something names is... Susan, they'll think of like a lazy Susan, right? right. Like then that would be in their kitchen and they would attach that. And the idea here is what, what you're talking about is just, it's like a, people could say that's very childlike, but that's how children learn, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they make fun of things. They use their imagination. They use their creativity. They use their focus and they make it fun and they make things stand out. And what's what you really, the goal of it, like what you're saying, you know, when you say the name and you use it, and you see it you know, creatively on their forehead or you turn their name into a picture. There's lots of different tactics and mechanics. Um, what the important part is, is what is to do something. Because mm -hmm. what the, the super villain in here is our kind of our short-term memory is that we only, I, I call it the six second syndrome, six seconds. It's like somebody tells you their name, you have six seconds to do something with that name. Otherwise it's like gone. Right. You, have you ever met somebody, got their name, and then seconds later it just disappears oh, out of yeah. your mind? Or, <laughs> or if it's not a short-term problem, it's like a long-term. It's like you're, you meet somebody at the gym and you know you know this person's name. And you're just you're talking to them for like 10 minutes. You're like, what? You're not even listening. Yes. You're like, 
how do I, how do I, how do I know this person? <laughs> Where do I know this person from? And then what it gets, it really makes it even more awkward is when that person has the audacity to remember your name. Yes. <laughs> or then one of your, one of your friends comes up into the conversation you're in a position where you have to introduce this person to this person you don't know their name and it just gets so embarrassing and so it's better to have one of these mechanics in so you did extremely well saying the name is very good writing it on their forehead turning it into a picture asking about a person's name like where you you know where how do you spell that name or where is it from or where's, what does it mean you know especially for names that um, you don't typically come across on, on an everyday basis you know because everyone loves to talk about themselves, right? Yeah, it's so true. I love that. Well, Jim, I have two questions that I like to ask everybody uh, at the end. But first, before I go into those, will you come back on the show? Because I have like a million other things I want to talk to you would, about. Yeah. We, we could so, just return. We could just record our conversations. Yes, I just, that'd be fun. I just know. Well, thankfully, you have your podcast. So people can go over there and get these quick tips. But I definitely want to have you back because I you are just a a well of information and always so fun and it's lovely to connect with you. So, all right. Uh, what is something that happened to you that in the moment seemed horrible, but ended up becoming a big blessing? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I would say that you heard a couple of them, you know, when I was, when I was a child, I had the head injury. I thought that was the most horrible thing ever. And it was something that I struggled and suffered with, you know, personally for a decade and a half until I kind of compensated for it. But it put me on the path. And I think that that was one of the most defining moments of my life um, because it put me on my mission. So through my struggle, I found my superpowers and I found my, my purpose in life is to help build better, brighter brains. Right. But the one I would say that I didn't mention was recently um, – I didn't talk publicly about this a lot, but the past four years, I've been suffering with really bad sleep apnea, and um, which means it's biological, genetic. I just couldn't breathe at night. I would stop breathing 200 times a night, and I would wake up suffocating. And I have a CPAP and a dental device and all these things, and it really wasn't, they weren't really helping. And so what it's taught me, um, and by the way, one of the things that really helped me because I had so much anxiety at night was doing these sessions with you. So at least I didn't have to, you know, the sleep deficit was hard enough, but the emotions that you helped me to be able to, you know what I mean? When you have a belief back then when your brain, before it was my brain was betraying me and then it was, I felt like it was my body was betraying me when I was doing everything right. right. So you helped so much with that. And I would say what the benefit came out of that because I, I had surgery and I've done all these things. Now I'm on an upturn and that's why I launched this podcast um, because I have the energy and the commitment to do so is that it's forced me to really focus on what's most important in my life. And when you only sleep two hours, I was sleeping 90 to two hours, 90 minutes or two hours a night for four and a half years. And so when you are under that deficit and you have a very finite, limited amount of energy and bandwidth and focus where you would have daily migraines and everything, you'd only concentrate on things that are most important. So I could say the past few years, I've gotten very clear on the things that are most important in my life. And for me, I always say everything in my life, it goes through this filter of heaven yes or heaven no. Like mm -hmm. I literally, an opportunity to go to lunch with somebody or to go speak somewhere or to do X, if I don't feel like completely aligned mind, body and spirit for something, I feel like heaven yes. Then I say, you know, I say heck no. And I just, you know, 
and I'm very protective of that. So I think that that's going to serve me really well. And it's a lesson that's been a hard lesson to learn, but it's also given me a level of depth and conviction with my, what I teach because I had to get really, really even tighter on the other side with my training and my practice Mm -hmm. because I had to be so efficient and productive. So it's really forced me to really get good at what the stuff that I teach. And I really do believe as many of us believe that we teach the thing that we need to learn the most. Yes, it's so true. Well, the last question, this is really deep. If you could be any animal, what would you be and why? <laughs> that's really? <laughs> yes, that's really the last question I always ask. If I could be any animal, what animal would I be and why? Um, oh, I love all animals, first of all. <laughs> you got to so pick I love, one. I love, I love animals. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Leo. Um <laughs> and so I always have this thing for lions, uh, and I like I love lions uh, in this area because they're bold and they're and they're courageous. And I'm not I'm not loud like in terms of that roar, but I, I do I do identify with 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 a lion. I don't know if that's the right answer. There I love, is no. <laughs> I, I love to be also. I, I read so much science fiction um, yes. and stuff, and I so I love to be like a dragon and like some of these magical animals also as well. But um, I love that question. You can be a dragon. I didn't. I think someone Wait, once said I, they I, wanted to be a flying dog. Oh wow! Okay. So I, I I'm open to a dragon. Wait, 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 wait. So what? 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 You, you? You probably have said this before. What's your animal? I don't know if I've mentioned it before. <laughs> Mine is a gorilla. Okay. It's a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, because because <laughs> they're um. They're very powerful, but they're like lazy. <laughs> like they, powerful they just, they just like all they do is lie around and eat and hang out with family, and oh, that yeah. to me is like the life. <laughs> and they're also very powerful, you know. Mm. But they, but they're very calm. So, yeah. yeah, it would be my favorite animal. I just like love gorillas. Well, now I need to know. Can can people post on Twitter and, and tag us what their answer would be? Because now I want to know what everyone who's listening to this, what your animal would be. Yes. And if you could tag, if you could tag us on Twitter or wherever you're on social media, I totally want to read that because I'm just, I've never heard that question before. I love it. Don't you think though it's a good question? I think pe- some people think I'm crazy, but I think it's a great insight on what people value in their personalities or or what mm-hmm. what inspires them. I love it. I'm going to ask that. Well, Jim, I love you, and I'm so happy that you are here. Can you just tell us again? It's it's qui- it's a, the podcast. Yeah. What's it called? Yeah, yeah. Re- thank you. Yeah. So basically, I just wanted something that where people could hear from me, like just a couple times a week, just five or ten minutes, and just one quick tip. It's called Quick Brain, K-W-I-K. That's the only thing you can spell it right. K-W-I-K Brain. You could go to quickbrain.com, and you could... You could just go to iTunes and download it, and it's just one brain hack to learn anything and achieve anything faster, and uh, it'd be fun to to have that conversation. Thank you. It's so fun, and you're such a great (laughs) teacher and storyteller, so I've been listening to them, and I love them. So once again, Jim, thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.